Hey guys, welcome to the Lane Foundation's podcast. This is your co-host, David Sandbrick. Joining alongside me today is Mr. Walker Watt. What's up, Walker? What's up, Davis? How's your day going? Good, man. I uh, I feel like I'm a part of the dirt industry. Uh, this new yeah. job that I'm on has a bunch of equipment. I think there's more equipment than people, which I might not need to put that out there. You but get to drive around it on it? Some, no. Oh. I actually, I got to ride. I got to ride shotgun one of the... Uh, I don't know what you would call it, the actual term for it, but it's the massive dump trucks, the people oh, that load yeah. up all the dirt. Yeah. What do they call those? I'm not, you know, big A dump trucks. That's, that's, there you that's go. But the guy was showing me, showing me like uh, how it can on a certain grade with a pave load, it yeah. can, it'll lock in gear and it won't go over a certain thing. So like oh, that's his cool. payload that he could take with the truck was like 120,000 pounds. I had no idea how oh, massive yeah these trucks were and so um i saw another guy with an excavator he started trenching and he said his bucket was four feet wide and so this uh, this has nothing to do with the podcast but just an interesting thing about what i was going through today but what about you walker that's awesome man it's been a good day i went to the dentist got my teeth clean so that was fun i always like one of those doing that um so i feel good now you know you don't want to ever eat food after you do it because you're like man they're not going to ever be as clean as they are right now uh, but man, it's just another day at work. Uh, you know, we, we both enjoy what we do, so it's not, not too bad starting off on a Monday. So today we had on our show, Paul Collart. Uh, he lives in Silicon Valley, which is pretty cool. Got to a little Cal- California guy on the show. I haven't had too many of those. We had a few, but, uh, so he is the vice president of strategy for a company called Cupix. Uh, and they're pretty much a, a construction, uh, technology company and, and, and pretty much they just take, uh, you know, they help you do ass builds. They help you take the what a construction looks like versus what it's supposed to look like. You can, and, and the technology is not nearly uh, as complicated or maybe I can say heavy as like a point right. cloud system is. You know where you have millions of points and it takes you forever to to go. And I explain what a point cloud system is and BIM and everything later on in the podcast. So if you're wondering what I'm saying, just listen in. But he <laughs> he takes all this and. And it's it's just it's not as heavy. It's it's a lot simpler. It's a lot easier uh, to use. Really, anyone can use it and help integrate it in in the software. Uh, and if there's something you're interested in, then tune in and learn a little bit more because Paul can can better explain it than we can. Uh, but it was definitely fascinating. Learned a ton about construction technology and, and kind of how the industry is changing and evolving. Davis, you know, what was your take on it? Man, I love the analogies that he used because. Um, it set it set up my understanding very well. You know, he talks about the Google Street View. We pick up right after the Google Street View. So everybody knows about Google and how his Google Maps and how you can see every road well. Think about what they do. Paul's company just does that for the AEC world, meaning in a building, you can literally take this software and use it and walk around. You can literally see progress as, as you're walking around, which I think yeah. whoever first came up with this idea was a pretty smart person. But to think that they do this at a high level, um, and do it in a, in a place where um, it's not heavy on the side of technology in the, in the sense of you don't have to have a dang BIM degree and be yeah. a rocket scientist to figure out how, how to work a point cloud. You know how to take pictures, get it to scan into a system and be able to work through it. That, that's the, the part that I really like. And I think that's what some companies really don't think about. Software needs to be user friendly for to make technology for the masses. Exactly. Very well said. Uh, but guys, you know, if, if you want to learn how construction technology is is integrated in a job site every day and how it is ever evolving, then tune in 
Um, without further ado, Paul Collard. Paul, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on over out in California. So we got a little time difference going on, but it's going to be cool to get to learn a little bit more about you and your story uh, and what you're doing right now. But just to begin with, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? So uh, Paul Collard, um, as you said, I'm based in Silicon Valley out here in California. Um, I'm a VP of strategy for a startup software company, Cupix. Awesome. So how did you get started with Cupix? So, so I've, you know, I've had a long history in AEC. Um, so I actually didn't start originally in architecture and construction. Uh, I started in mechanical engineering, um, kind of this, the, the, in college, I actually worked on the Lockheed, uh, space cool. telescope or the Hubble space telescope. Wow. And I found very quickly that I didn't want to be in mechanical engineering. Granted, it was pretty cool working on it. Um, but I got directly into architecture from there. So more in architecture, pre-design, pre-construction. And I was asked to help start up CAD departments locally, just because I knew these big mainframe CAD systems from the mechanical engineering world and had no idea what I was doing. So, uh, but I'd always loved architecture. Um, and just through the years, I've been involved in, you know, architecture, mainly in the area of technology and trying to get people to adopt technology and implement technology that the masses can use as opposed to just kind of specialized, pe specialized technology for people. That's good. And, and so over the years, I, I had a software company for a while and and sold that and then found myself trying to figure out what am I going to do? Um, was I going to start a company? And if you're to ask my wife, she'd say, I don't want you starting a company again. <laughs> and so I found myself kind of researching new technologies out there and in terms of reality capture in this construction, you know, AEC industry. And I started writing articles and things like that about the technologies. And and really, my goal was to really find out what all the new companies were doing out there, join a startup company. And I happened to come across this company, Cupix. And it, and it just so happened the founder lives like five miles from me. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, so, and I, you know, and I, I wrote a very long technical article at one point. And so analyzing different 360 capture solutions and at the time, you really weren't, weren't seeing much in kind of construction and architecture. Um, you'd see like Matterport and things like that, which were more focused at the time in kind of residential real estate and marketing. And my whole premise was, how can we take this base 360 technology and extend it to enterprise AEC? Not just capturing a, you know, well, where I am, a 1,500 square foot house, which which is expensive as it is, or a 5,000 square foot house, which I couldn't afford here. Um, but how can you extend it to hundreds of thousands, millions of square feet? With that, you know, in getting in touch with Simon Bay, our founder, um, he was interested in being in this, in this article I was writing, this technical article, but he was still a little too early in his technology. Yeah. And, but it gave me an opportunity to meet him and, over time, we started getting together at Starbucks, trying to see what his software is doing, which was still focused on residential real estate at the time. And as he started, um, one, showing me how smart the guy was and that he's just, you know, probably one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with, um, but how open he was to ideas of what he could do with kind of this base technology that he developed. And 
you know, at the time, again, he was focused on residential real estate, which I had absolutely no interest in getting into. Um, but I started proposing ideas of maybe other things he could be doing with the technology. And we'd, we'd get together a month later and he'd show me what he's doing. And at the same time, I was going out to projects locally of people I still knew, more in kind of this pre-designed, pre-construction area of capturing sites and how well is the software working and, and what else can you do with it? And it was this constant get together, you know, then, then it was every couple of weeks. And, and, and then at one point we, we had a discussion on how do we integrate BIM in it? You know, it could coexist with each other yeah. and, and went away and I started researching how to do it. And a month later I came back with this whole document of how it could be done he whipped out his laptop going, we already did it. It's already programmed. I'm like, <laughs> and so I found myself approaching him going, uh, is there a potential position at your company? And uh, so that's how I came to about, you know, came to Cupix was, cool. you know, at the time too, right. he was ready to make mm-hmm. that switch of really focusing that technology and kind of realizing this whole idea of kind of 360 tours or 3D tours in residential real estate is, kind of, in my opinion, a race to the bottom. It's really kind of who can do it the cheapest. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it's just, uh, and a lot of people- I never thought really of it that way. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, good. you know, you're dealing, you know, with realtors that want, want the absolute best and still don't want to pay for it. Um, and so when I started- yeah, Slim with, margins um, all around. Yeah, very slim margins. And if you, if you look at that service industry, even the people providing the services, it seems like the, the rates are getting lower and lower and lower. Well, you have um, people like Zillow and all other companies who are yeah, trying to I, lower the amount that you pay realtors, you know, which for them, I mean, that, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because you have a real live person doing the job versus a, a computer. I would rather give my money to the real live person doing the work, you know, but just the way the technology is evolving, it just makes it hard to do as you. Yeah, absolutely. And then you say Zillow, I mean, Zillow has their own. 360 mm-hmm. tour solution competing right. with Matterport. Um, so there's a lot of solutions out there doing that. Where there aren't a lot of solutions like that is in kind of large scale, you know, AEC. Um, so, you know, more specifically for construction and those types of things. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when I, when I came on board, I, you know, again, one, the luxury of working with very smart people um, way smarter than me, which was a great thing and what I was looking for. And I was able to kind of use my background in kind of CAD at the time. BIM wasn't really a term when I originally started. You know, BIM eventually came around, but defining kind of what the structure of our system could look like. And so a lot of it was just taking, you know, uh, it was taking ideas in terms of how Revit is structured and doing the same thing with our data. So it's it's really providing kind of that structured data that mimics, let's say, a building, um, and then having our data fit within that. And, and it's really been advan- an advantage to us because we can really, you know, being BIM-centric, and it doesn't need to be BIM-centric, but we're designed so that we integrate with BIM or we integrate with every kind of reality capture out there. Um, and in, in which I didn't really get into the, you know, the, the meat of our software was being able to take 360 imagery. And primarily people are just walking around taking video and being able to give that information or that data spatial intelligence is really knowing 
this image exists exactly here in that facility. And not just, let's say, in the 2D, it's in the 3D. So if you take that and stick the camera above the ceiling, I mean, we know you're above the ceiling. We know that that camera was at 10 feet or whatever it was. Or if I stuck it down below somewhere, I know I just stuck it down six feet below me. Um, so it's similar like point cloud technology where you have to link it in with a Revit model and then you create sort of a 3D model. But what, it, what's the, what is the difference between y'all software versus like going in and doing a 3D scan you know, making a point cloud and then having someone to go in there manually with with it and, and link it to a Revit model and overlay it and make the elements. Well, you know, it's, you know, point, you know, point, creating a point cloud is very heavy technology. Yeah. You know, you're typically you're dealing with very expensive equipment and and then it's very slow um, and it has its purpose. It's It's going to be much more exact in terms of that data that you get out of that. So if you're trying to get accurate as built, that's a great solution. Trying to do pre-construction, you know, uh, prefabrication, and you need it exact. I mean, that's what you're going to want to design that off of. Gotcha. Um, what we're going for is being able to give you, I say accurate spatial intelligence, but accurate is really depends who you're talking to. You know, if you're talking to someone that's typically used to point clouds, you wouldn't consider our data accurate. Um, but it's good enough to, let's say, you know, know roughly where that wall is um, and make, make it so that you can make decisions in a smart way and then decide, one, is that going to be good enough or do I need to get out there and if it's mission critical, get more information and make a better decision. So, so pretty much this allows someone who maybe isn't as visually uh I, I guess gifted in their head. You know, a lot of construction people can go out and just kind of see the project. Like we can look at plans and see what it's going to look like in our head, but not everyone can do that. So this it allows people to kind of look at something, and be like, "Oh, this is this is what it's going to look like. This well, is where that's going to go." You, you make a really good point because the majority of people in the world cannot visualize in three D. Yeah, and you know, I've worked in architecture, and unfortunately, I knew architects that couldn't visualize in 3D, which is not good for your That's job. a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and so an another analogy I use is that, you know, everybody's familiar with Google Street View. And so yeah. what we're doing is Cupix kind of takes over where Google Street View leads off. And so where Google Street View is kind of at a macro level, we're at this micro level. Oh. And we, we, we go to the details of, you know, understanding dimensions. We understand cool. exactly how your plans are constructed or how it fits in Revit and all these different things. So we understand, you know, there's rooms and our data is all searchable by that room or searchable, let's say, by that column. You know, take me yeah. to the closest image to column B5. Okay, mm -hmm. here's your closest image to that at any certain time. So, yeah. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's taking those cues from Google Street View where, you know, everybody understands Google Street View. Mm. You know, it, it's you don't have to think, you don't have to think about, let's say, this abstract 2D drawing and try to figure out visualizing that in 3D. Right. Um, I, think, I think that's really good the way you split that up because 
I, I spent so much of my life looking at stuff from Google Street View, and now you're just telling people we start where they end. And literally, I can view that, you walking into a building and be mm-hmm. able to see basically what Cupix does, like Google Street, but inside a building. I love that. Um, I want to back up a little bit. I, you know, I'm big on knowing someone's background, and I love to hear about how you came up and started to get with Cupix. We'll go back to that, but I'm interested. I heard you say – you know, you went from mechanical engineering, then you started to help out in the architecture realm, but you helped start up CAD departments. I mean, that was uh, just a very quick, brief awesome. uh, sentence. What what all did that entail? Because that's well, like that's an accomplishment in itself. So it actually started uh, my senior year in college, where I kind of made that decision of, I you know, I wasn't very interested in going into mechanical engineering and and working at Lockheed. Um, and so my senior year, I actually, you know, it all started by me. I was living with a bunch of buddies senior year. Um, and it was more about going to parties and working on a senior project, which I had to get done. I didn't go to my other classes. And I decided, you know, maybe I'll go get a job in architecture. Because um, I always enjoyed architecture. I used to draft on my own at home in high school, wow. took drafting wow. classes in high school. Awesome. Uh, and we're talking pencil on paper and, you right. know, oh, drafting cool. boards, old, yeah, things old school. like that. And this one day I was, you know, in a t-shirt and shorts and there was an architect down the street and I walked in and I said, you know, are you looking to hire anybody? And he kind of looked at me like, you have some balls to come in here and he's all come in tomorrow and I'm going to put you on the boards. And so I came in and I drafted all day long for him. And came out of that going, his response was, you need to find a job where you can do it on the computer. Because <laughs> I was not made to do drafting. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's how I got involved and applied to a company in downtown Palo Alto. And they hired me, wow. of all things, to start their CAD department at age 20. And awesome. really knew nothing about the architectural process. Um, and so, again, this is early on, you know, way before you know, BIM and those types of things. And it was just all AutoCAD based, but right. it's really then taking that technology and really figuring out the workflow of everything, right. um, of taking that manual process into, into the computer. And a big part of it too, was then the collaboration between, you know, back then between your design team, your construction team, and then also right. very involved in kind of the, the handover facilities and those types mm-hmm. of things. So I, I helped set up, start up some facilities departments. That's cool. Um, like I was, I helped Hewlett Packard set up their facility department back in the nineties. That's cool, um, man. And so that's, uh, and you know, I was working full-time for a while and I ended up, you know, everybody started going, you know, leaving firms and going to other firms. And so then I started contracting to a whole bunch of different companies in Silicon Valley and San Francisco Bay area. Right. Um, so got to meet a lot of people doing that. That's cool. And if I'm not mistaken, CAD and BIM are two different things, right? Like BIM's integrated, but can you tell us the difference between the two? Well, CAD is, um, you know, one way to think of it is think of CAD as kind of two dimensions, whereas, and, and CAD is typically, um, it's you're really working with unintelligent lines, um, whereas BIM, you're starting to kind of understand objects, you understand a wall and it's it's three dimensional aspect to it. Great way to put another it. way to think of it is it's parametric in that if I put a door in a wall, that wall knows mm. how to behave in that wall, knows it needs to open up. 
or, you know, so it's, it's parametric in these objects know how to work with each other. And it's, it's actually taking a lot of the technology from that mechanical engineering world where everything is parametric and bringing that concept to architecture. And that's what Revit did. Revit kind of, and from my understanding, I think uh, the, the people that started Revit came from the mechanical engineering world. Really? And then applied that parametric technology to Revit. Yeah, we use, so my company does, uh, we do a little bit of everything, like like turnkey construction, I guess, but we do process, packaging, building the facility. But for our packaging side of the company, they do a ton of AutoCAD because it's just laying out different lines and where everything's going to go. But then you had to, you know, a lot of the times they'll have a, the vendor, whoever is building the equipment, will then model it in 3D. And then we'll just take that 3D model and put it in our facility. So it's just like a step up and every you know in each direction as you as you start to build it but for those listening uh i know we said a lot of words you know revit is a 3d modeling software it's something that a lot of construction people use you can do clash detection in it you can see if a pipe is hitting a a concrete wall or you can see if something's you know going through the roof that shouldn't be uh and then point cloud is just taking a laser scanner and scanning a room and getting different points like multiple thousands millions of points that make up an image and then you take that image the thousands millions however you know different many points there are and you take it and put it into a uh, you can make a revit model out of it you have to kind of connect them all together and you can see an image but it's just an accurate way of getting as built which are as the project is built at the moment uh and so just kind of wanted to clear that up for someone who's yeah, listening. Actually, maybe maybe had not the, have heard any of that. It's even that you know you hear the you hear the term "scan to BIM" a lot. Yep, there you go. And you know a lot of people hear that and they think there's oh do a laser scan and you magically get a no. <laughs> BIM file. So it's really a scan to a lot of manual work tracing a lot over of manual point work. cloud to BIM. Yeah, I have a good, um, uh, one of my friends in 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 uh, my office. He's a, a BIM guy and. He, that's just what he does. They'll take a lot of the scans and I'll walk by and, Hey man, what you doing? And he's like, Oh, we took this scan and now I'm having to pick out all the beans and I have to show what this is. And I'm yeah. like, I, I mean, am glad you're doing that and software, not me. <laughs> there is some software to help automate that, but it, it doesn't get you anywhere close to where you yeah. need to be. So, so Paul, you, you mentioned a little bit that you started a software company as well and then sold it. So walk us in that a little bit. You know, how did that come about? Was it kind of, one of these ideas that you came for by doing CAD or by working for well, other companies? It, was, or what it started was it? off, it started from a lot of the consulting I was doing with companies. And then okay. we started doing custom software development for companies in the area. Awesome. Um, which then led to kind of a direction outside of, let's say, traditional kind of this technology and AEC. And we started creating software to manage printers and plotters. It actually started with plotters. So you know, the big plotters that you have to get your construction documents out um, and managing it for cost recovery purposes. And then yeah. it went to okay. small format printers, to cloud-based, to, um, and again, this was over quite a bit of time. And then eventually our biggest competitor ended up buying out the company, um, which was, it could have happened four or five years earlier. In hindsight, maybe I wish that would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, you know, it, I can't say it was the biggest windfall in the world, which it wasn't, um, but I was happy to, to be done with it and, you know, very happy on the trajectory that's happened, you know, with 
one, trying to figure out what that next company was. And it took a lot longer than I'd originally planned in that trying to find a company that, you know, has this mix of really, really smart people um, have a, you know, history in, in startup software companies and incredibly smart and are working in a market that I want to be in. And I think actually has a, a potential to do something. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. If you need, if you didn't hear that, didn't understand it, you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email, please. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Seriously, me and Davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners. It, it, it genuinely makes our day. But if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh, via social media, Davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that. Yeah, thanks, Walker. Guys, like Walker said, reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have uh, Walker, Walker Lott's LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang Foundations. And then, you know, that's where we're at. These are all down in the in the show notes. But, guys, we just want to put this out there and – However you want to get in contact with us, we're, we're, we're imploring you, please just reach out to us. We'll respond. We'll get back to you. And we want to hear from you. That, that You're the reason, one of the reasons why we're doing this. We want to hear from you. We want to hear feedback. How can we grow and how can we get better? Because like we said before, um, receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values. And that defines Walker and I at our core. We want to hear your feedback. And we want to be, be held accountable.